0: Welcome to the Happy Homeschooler podcast, a digital support group for everyone interested in a learning lifestyle. I'm your host, Holly.
1: I'm your co-host, Melody.
0: And I'm your co-host, Jennifer. Today, we'll be interviewing Stephen Yearout of the Empowered Dyslexia podcast. But before we get to that, how's everybody been since last time? Melody?
1: Well, we've had the 4th of July since the last time we talked, so that was big. We got to I got to spend time with family and just you know lots of good time fun and good food and I have a granddaughter visiting from hours and hours away so we don't get to see her very often and that has been we've just had such a good time I taught her to crochet (laughs) so (laughs) sat around around crocheted like she's equipped now to go back and you know kind of make whatever she wants to. How old to, is but she? It's been fun. She's 16.
2: Okay, that's great. She's
1: 16. So, so that was a lot of fun. What about you, Jennifer?
2: well we also of course just celebrated fourth and um i actually was thinking about you guys when we were celebrating cuz we it was just we had a smaller celebration than we normally have we didn't have a a lot of people were busy and things so it was just four homeschool moms that got together f- people who i'm you know very close friends with and between us we have 18 kids and while we were there we actually talked about how great it is that we have kids ages four through I think 22 were there and how wonderful it is that our like young adult kids want to come and spend time with us in situations like that like they didn't have to they could have gone out to some party or with friends Mm -hmm. or whatever but they all like all their the older kids still came just to be with, hang out with us and brought their friends and stuff. And I think it's such a good tribute to homeschooling and the lifestyle we lead and, and it keeps them coming back. And I just love that. And I was thinking about you guys too, when I was thinking about that, because I know we have so many children together and lots of grown Mm -hmm. children, but we all tend to have kids that want to come back and want to be with us and want to spend time with us. And and that's just so wonderful. What have you been doing, Holly?
0: I think the last time we talked i I told y'all that I was out of the um cat you rescue. Were retired, yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> yep and still still out of that, and so'm really happy okay. um, that that's done and we had a a quiet fourth um my two sons that live nearby both had to work, so unfortunately they couldn't come um and around here, the most exciting thing seems to be the food, so <laughs> as long as I made sure we had. Burgers, uh, I made vegan burgers, and there were hot dogs and potato salad and watermelon, everybody was happy, yeah, and then we have a family tradition of watching Independence Day, so I introduced my ten year old to Independence Day fun, and he really loved it, so I that bet. was fun, yeah, that was really fun and yeah, I'm going to be doing some traveling coming up. So I went to apply to get TSA pre this morning. And boy, Smart. was that that was really something I, my husband said, oh, it probably wasn't worth it. I said, yeah, it was worth <laughs> it, even though I, I was late getting there and I had to wait another hour to go in because they were closing for lunch. It's still going to be worth it. But boy, it was a hassle. And they make you do all the work yourself on like an iPad.
2: Yeah, you'll really appreciate it later. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. No, I, I, I yeah, definitely I better to breathe than leave my perfect. shoes on, wear my jacket, right? <laughs> don't take out the liquids. Mm-hmm. It'll be great. Well, today we'd like to welcome Stephen Yearout from Empowered Dyslexia. He is going to talk to us about all things pertaining to getting your kids the help they need if they have a dyslexia diagnosis. Stephen, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself?
3: Let me start by saying thank you so much for having me uh, on your podcast. I'm looking forward to uh, this conversation and spreading, you know, the word and, and more knowledge about what is and is not dyslexia. And I want to make sure that we get our kids the most appropriate help so that they're successful so they can be the best versions of themselves. A little bit about myself. I am dyslexic, father of three boys. I've got, a, well, he just graduated, 18 year old. I've got an upcoming senior an upcoming sophomore. Oh, you're Uh, busy. (laughs) Yes. My middle son, upcoming uh, senior, is dyslexic, and so is my just graduated. I was first identified in uh, 1983 here in Texas in Garland Independent School District when we first moved back from Australia. When that happened at that time, they said, yes, we do know what dyslexia is. Your son has dyslexia, however... We don't have any services to help.
0: Mm -hmm. Oh, wow.
3: So uh, much like I'm sure a lot of your your listeners, this is where the struggle really starts because the parents are trying to do everything that they possibly can to support their child, and the school just keeps pushing back. You know, your child's struggling; they can't read; they're not able to perform. We want to retain them. This, that, and the other
0: it becomes uh, a bad cycle, right?
3: The other piece of this that a lot of times isn't talked about is the psychological piece of not being successful in school, not being able to read, Mm -hmm. how that flows over into every other aspect of the child's life. Everybody that actually is connected to that child. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I was paddled every day in third grade because I wasn't turning my homework in. Well, I didn't turn my homework in because I couldn't read.
2: Right. Mm -hmm. They knew
3: this. Well, I got a paddling at school. I got a paddling at home. Yeah. As a child, you have no place of reprieve. You have no place to go where you're. You can be successful and mm-hmm. not be constantly berated with "You need to perform. You need to perform." Mm-hmm.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: Is this after you had already been identified as oh, yeah. having dyslexia? Okay. Wow.
3: So when we got when we got back from Australia, you know, we were. Um, they have to do all the educational tests, placement tests, because they just don't transfer. Okay, you're in third grade in Australia. Right, they right. And say, okay, well, you're in third grade in America, too. I had already started third grade in Australia. So they held me back. They put me back in third grade again. Then they turned around and they retained me another time. And then the third time, my mom was like, mm-hmm. no, you're not going to
0: mm-hmm.
3: move on. After they figured out that paddling wasn't going to work, they started making me write sentences.
0: Oh my goodness, what a struggle.
3: So most people would think, I mean, yeah, that sounds bad that, hey, they make you write sentences. But when you start talking about a child who is ADHD, dyslexic, and I would argue probably dysgraphic also, mm-hmm. for everybody that doesn't know what dysgraphia is, it's basically the writing version of dyslexia. It's being able to take the information in, process it, and then put it back out on paper. That was that would be the same thing to Tell a child who is dyslexic, all right, well, now your punishment is going to be you're going to go into a library and sit down and you have to read all these books. Right. The same right. It's time,
0: abusive to treat people that way.
3: Oh, there's a lot of people that don't like to use the word abusive. I use abusive because it was. very. Abusive. Yeah, I agree well, with that.
0: I think it's abusive, too. And I so, hope that some of that is gone by now.
3: Well, I, I, I really wish, you know, in 30 years, 30 plus years. I could say that a lot of that is gone, but it's especially here in Texas, we still fight this every day.
4: Mm-hmm. Oh, how discouraging. Still discouraging.
3: You know, from the advocate's point, we still fight the districts and just using the word dyslexia. Being able to say, my kid is not lazy, they're physically unable to read, mm-hmm. to understand that The reason why your child's having so many problems is the wiring in the brain. And it's actual connections in the left side of the brain where all the reading takes place that either when uh, in utero and growing, the connections either went too far or they didn't go far enough in order to make sure that you're able to read. I don't know if you have heard the statistic. I think it's like 33% of children are going to be able to read no matter what doesn't matter which program you use,
4: Mm -hmm.
3: which reading program, uh, remediation program, whatever. They're going to be able to read no matter what. Then you're going to need some that may need a little bit of extra help. And then you get to the area of dyslexia, which is about 20% of the population.
0: That's a big portion of people.
3: It is the largest disability group out of all the disability groups under IDEA. But we're still having to fight for just basic services. Just Why do
0: you think that is?
3: My opinion is when you look at a, a person with dyslexia, there's not a telltale sign, right? You you, right. you don't look at them and go, right. oh, yep, yeah, you look like you're a little dyslexic.
0: Was it your experiences that led you to start Empowered Dyslexia?
3: It wasn't until our middle child, Aiden, was diagnosed with dyslexia. He was diagnosed at a charter school. Even being dyslexic, I thought what the charter school was doing was adequate. Now, the remediation piece of it, he was learning to read uh, better. He was really hitting the phonemic awareness piece of it, the sounds of the letters, being able to distinguish between when you're mixing the sounds, that piece of it, which phonemic awareness, for those that don't know, is the first step of language. So you have phonemic awareness, then you go to phonics, then you move on. However, what I didn't realize that was going to be the biggest fight was the accommodations. Just basic accommodations. Aiden is dyslexic and he has ADHD also. Things like, at the time he was in third grade, giving him a printed out copy of spelling words so he could go home and practice. Right. Well, the teacher would refuse to give him a printed out piece of spelling words. He would make him write them down himself.
2: Oh, wow. Well, Such a simple thing to do, too.
3: Right. So one day he brings home uh, his spelling list, and we're, we're looking at it. And one of the spelling words I want to say was like the name Maria. And I'm like, are you sure that's uh, one of your spelling words? <laughs> yeah. Never seen a Maria as a spelling word. Mm <laughs> hmm. This would uh was an ongoing fight with the school about this. So the school had just gotten out. I got in my car, drove right back up to the school, walked in the principal's office and put the piece of paper down on the desk, and I went, Hey, uh, can you read those spelling words out loud for me? He started reading them and he got to Maria and he goes, Maria, I go, Now where would you have gotten Maria as mm-hmm. a spelling word? He goes, Uh, that can't be one of the spelling words. I said, This is exactly why we asked for one of the accommodations to be, he gets a hand or a a printed-out version of Mm -hmm. the spelling words. And, I mean, it's really sad. My wife actually worked at the school, too, and we still had this many problems. You couldn't – they they wouldn't give extra time for tests. They wouldn't give extra time for homework. I mean, just simple things that the teacher didn't necessarily have to do. Mm -hmm. Oral administration. Nobody wanted to do oral administration. If the kid can't read, how are they supposed to take your test? Right. Well, we know that he can read a little
0: bit. Okay, but can he read not enough. at the same right. level
3: as his peers?
0: He can well, do the same Henschen, right? There's a lot of components to that before you can read for those types of things. It's yeah. not just decoding a word. It's being able to read a sentence and comprehend what it's asking.
3: Yeah, The, the comprehension is a byproduct of fluency. Mm -hmm. Being able to read that information, the next piece of it is being able to read it and hold on to that information Mm -hmm. in your short-term memory. That's why you have kids who have ADHD. They tend to, a lot of times, be mistaken as children with dyslexia. Why? Because they're making attention errors, not necessarily decoding errors.
0: Yeah, the working memory issue is a big one for people with ADHD, and it sounds like that's somewhat of an issue for people with dyslexia. Is that correct? Oh, yes. Yeah.
3: And when you look at people with dyslexia, the percentage of people with dyslexia and ADHD is very, very high.
0: Yeah, my husband has both. And he's on the spectrum. He, he wasn't content just to get one of them in. <laughs> <laughs> he won the lottery. He did. Yeah, he's brilliant, actually. Awesome. Um, we
3: yeah. have a lot of people that equate dyslexia, ADHD, autism as because it's called a learning disability they tend to equate it as not those people not being smart so we we dyslexics, ADHD, you know, people with autism have to validate themselves a lot by saying we're smart. Mm-hmm. Yes, we're brilliant. We are brilliant. Mm-hmm. However, we need to take our deficits that we have and they are deficits we can take those deficits and and bring them up to the level of our abilities, and then we can do anything we want to do. We really can Most people don't believe that you can teach a dyslexic to read and spell like a non-dyslexic. Absolutely not true. I did it at 45. My oldest son was late diagnosed in seventh grade. Never went through remediation until going into his freshman year of high school. He went from reading at a... Third grade last year or uh, last month, third grade first month, fourth grade level to a freshman in college in eighty hours.
0: Wow! wow. How did that happen?
3: Through Empower Dyslexia, I came across um, a doctor. His name Dr. Conway. He's a neuroscientist who developed um, a program for remediation of dyslexia. All of his all of his research is uh, backed by three randomized controlled trials funded by NIH. When I first met this guy, I told him he was selling snake oil. <laughs> because where I'm coming from, nobody was, had ever had the ability to help me read.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Nobody helped, was really able to teach my kids to read. And when you look at how long we've known about dyslexia, And we're still talking about it today. Obviously, from my point of view then, nothing could be done. This is what it is, Mm -hmm. right? When I first talked to him, I said, hey, you're selling snake oil. How dare you sit out here and harm parents and kids telling them that you can do X, Y, Z. You can help their child read like a a non-dyslexic. You can help them spell like a non-dyslexic. I said, where's your research? What do you, you know, how dare you do this? And he was like, do you want research here it is, and he buried me in research.
1: That's <laughs> awesome.
3: And I was like, Dr. Conway, come on, man, you know I'm <laughs> dyslexic. I'm not going to read all this. What <laughs> do you know? And he he laughed, and I was like, No, seriously, I, I'm I'll make my way through it. I'll use you know some assistive technology, or whatever, to to try to get through it. And I ended up getting through it all. Probably a month or so later. I threw a challenge out to him live on my show. I was like, look, you, you keep saying that you can teach all these kids, you know, there's people to read. Doesn't matter if you're, you know, in school or you're old like I am, you can teach people to read. And I said, well, I am a ADHD dyslexic high school dropout. I said, I'm your huckleberry. Let's do it.
4: <laughs> if
3: you say that you can do it, put your money where your mouth is. And he goes, Okay. And I was like, oh, no.
0: (laughs) Challenge accepted. (laughs) Challenge
3: accepted. Exactly. And I'm like, oh, now I got to do this. (laughs) Well, and I I drugged my feet for a long time about taking this challenge with him. But, you know, as a father and as somebody that's sitting in front of, you know, my audience, I can't sit up here and tell you what you should do if I Mm -hmm. haven't done it myself. Right.
0: Right. I'm a firm believer in that. Put your money where your mouth is. Right. What did that entail? I started
3: uh, his program. So it's a one on one virtual lesson with a a live tutor. It's one hour a day. And I would do it at like seven o'clock in the morning before my day started. You know, I took about 80 hours to finish my program. Everybody does the same thing, everybody starts from the same place. Within the first week of me being in this program, I was very, very angry. And the reason why I was angry was was because I knew I could see why I had so many spelling mistakes, so many reading mistakes. I started understanding mm-hmm. this, and and you know my thought process was, if somebody could have taught me this way, yeah, growing oh, up, yeah. it would have changed not only my life, but it would have changed my family's life. There wouldn't yeah, have that- been so much strife and and uh, fighting and everything else that's gone went on in my family's life, there wouldn't have been that.
0: I would be angry too.
3: You know, now knowing that, yes, you can, you can change, you can grow, you can learn to read and spell like a non-dyslexic. You know, number one, it changes the way that I advocate. Really, it changes the way I look at life, Mm -hmm. knowing that I can read and spell, knowing that I truly am as smart as the way that i felt growing up knowing for the first time in my life when you hear people say you know you can do anything in, in life anything you want to do you can do well uh, yeah kind of as long as you can read a lot of times i mean reading takes there's nothing that you can do in life for work that you're not going to have to read
0: right well time. as homeschoolers we say once you Your children learn to read, they can read to learn. But if you can't read, you have a lot of stumbling blocks in the way. So that makes perfect sense.
3: There are huge stumbling blocks.
0: Summer has come at last. During the warm months, I'd rather be sitting at the beach than stuck inside making high school transcripts by hand.
1: Oh, that's the worst. I had to make my children's transcripts by hand in my day. Thankfully, these days, there's Transcript Maker. I'm not math-phobic, but the time it took to calculate grade point averages was ridiculous. With Transcript Maker, you just plug your courses and grades into the template, and the GPA appears like magic.
2: I've got a few kids, well, maybe more than a few, (laughs) and with Transcript Maker, I was able to have multiple transcripts in my account at one time. And with so many kids, it made organization a breeze. All my transcripts were held in the cloud, safe and sound and easy to access whenever and wherever I needed to.
0: Well, I love a good deal. I love saving money and getting discounts. And Transcript Maker is perfect for that. They offer a 14-day free trial, so you can give it a test drive and see how you like it. And for our listeners, you can get 20% off the cost of your subscription with our exclusive coupon code HAPPY. That's H-A-P-P-Y in all caps.
1: Don't wait until the last minute. Enjoy your summer better by using Transcript Maker. Go to www.transcriptmaker.com today.
2: Transcript Maker Simply Better Transcripts.
3: I I tell a story about I was getting ready to interview this doctor on the show, and I'm sitting in the um, parking lot of the studio and I'm reading their research paper before the show. And it took me about 15 minutes to read it. And then I sat back and I was like, wow, I really enjoyed reading that. And then it clicked. That's the joy of reading. That's what everybody wow. talks about when they talk wow. about the joy of reading. And I was like, you know, for the first time in 45 years, I experienced the joy of reading. Because I used wow. to think people absolutely crazy when they was like, oh, I want to curl up in front of the fire with a good book and, <laughs> and read. Like, what are you talking about?
0: <laughs> yeah. So your son went through the same program then? Correct. And he ended
3: up graduating high school with a 4.5 GPA. Wow. He uh got a his first year of school paid for because of his academics and he's going to Tarleton State University to study agribusiness.
0: That's great. Oh, wow. So and, what's the lesson for other people? Can everyone access Dr. Conway's coaching program, or what, what about everybody else?
3: So absolutely, you, you can reach out to uh, the, the company, the NOW program, uh, and you can get the same services that we got. However, what I would start with is if your child is having issues with just speaking, being able to form the sounds... You know, when we're looking at our toddlers, we think that it's really cute where they're not making the proper sounds or, or saying the words correctly and things like that. Well, that is the first sign to phonemic awareness issues.
0: Yeah, I've there always heard that kids, if they can't rhyme, if your kids can't rhyme, that's a sign of dyslexia.
3: No, not necessarily.
0: Not necessarily? Okay.
3: One of the biggest uh, telltale signs would be like, if I told you to say the word cat. So I'd, everybody say the word cat.
4: Cat. 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 Okay.
3: So I <laughs> want you to say that same word without the k sound. that. Okay, so what you just did was you heard the word, you said the word, you uh, separated out the sounds by holding on to the word, and then you said the new word. That is where phonemic awareness comes from, and that's mm-hmm. the one of the telltale signs of uh, a child who is going to have dyslexia.
1: That's really interesting. You can't separate those
3: sounds out? Correct. Like one of my, when I was going through it, one of the the sounds that really would trip me up all the time is the S and T at the end of a word.
0: Like the word first? You couldn't say first?
3: Yeah, and if you switched it around, yeah, I wouldn't be able to hear the slight change in the word. When you hear that piece of it, now go back to if I can't say the word correctly, I can't sound the word out, I won't mm-hmm. be able to read it, mm-hmm. and I will never be able to spell it
4: mm-hmm.
3: because I'll say the True. word back to myself, and I'm saying it wrong. I'll never be able to, like I said, never be able to sound it out, never be able to read it, never be able to spell it, and there's our issues. Well,
1: that's where kids so, are just memorizing the word without well, really being able to break it apart. They so don't have that's any, they don't have
3: how I learned to read
2: uh-huh. is uh-huh. just
3: memorization.
2: Right. Oh, that's I, very I, I, laborious.
3: Yeah. That word, those letters, those symbols that you see on the page, C-A-T, that says cat. Why? Because that's what somebody said it says. Anytime I saw that combination of letters, there you go. That's what that word says. You know, we hear we hear all the time, well, you know, you um, dyslexics tend to have a good memory or they – Um, can visualize things well, they can do this well, or they can play sports well, they can, you know, whatever. That's where people start hearing about or are saying your superpowers. Mm. And I tend to have a little different viewpoint on it. I don't believe it's superpowers. I believe it is uh, coping mechanisms that we have taught ourselves.
0: Yeah, survival.
3: Survival, (laughs) because we've been put into... An environment without the skills to survive.
0: So, you started to say that uh, we're listening to our young kids, and if they're having these issues, so where do we go? Where do we go, and how do we start if we are seeing or suspecting dyslexia?
3: If you suspect that your child has dyslexia and you're in the homeschool arena, people are like, Well, I can't afford to go get tested, uh, I can't go get a private testing. Well, what a lot of people don't understand is whatever district it is, especially here in Texas, I know that whatever district that you pay taxes into, they're responsible for that testing. You can go and put in a request for testing under IDEA, and they're required to test your child. Now, a lot of people will say, oh, I just want to test for dyslexia. I don't want to test for anything else. Well, I would argue that you want to make sure that you're getting a full individual evaluation. You want to see exactly what's going on with your child, if there's any other disabilities that are underlining. So that's where I would start is make sure that you have good, solid data, good testing to know what's going on.
0: And how early can kids get tested? Do you know?
3: In the garden. The, the first thing I would do is is go get your, your child tested. Again, you can get them tested through your school district. Uh, even though that you're in a homeschool environment, you can get tested. Obviously, you can go get private testing or even sign up through uh, Scottish Right. Right.
0: Is that nationwide, Scottish Right, or is that a Texas? Um, no, I think
3: it's I only in Texas. The Scottish right here in Texas, that they're the ones that are known for the dyslexia remediation. They have the dyslexia um, program here.
0: Yeah, I have a friend whose daughter went through that, and it was a huge, huge help for her. So the kids get tested, they get a diagnosis, and then what?
3: So now you are going to start to to make the decision on, do I do a program like the NOW program, or do I uh, search out... A certified academic language therapist. However, what I would highly suggest is before you spend a dime on remediation, I would want to ask questions like, "What's your success rate? What does success look like for you?" Because you may have people that are that will say, "Yeah, we can put them through you know some type of reading um, intervention," and at the end of the day, the student really can't read. That well, you know it may have helped a little bit, but not not really to the instructor. well, that was success. I mean, they're reading better than they were, and then they turn around and go, "Well, you know this is as good as it gets with dyslexia that's where this whole piece of you can be taught to read and spell like non dyslexics that has to be the gold standard that's that is the end result that you will. Or you should be uh, shooting for.
0: So are there programs other than the NOW program that have this type of success that you know of?
3: I know that there's a couple other programs that are out there that are based on the same uh, research. Mm-hmm. Uh, Linda Mubell was um, based on the same research.
0: Yeah, I've heard of that. Uh,
3: um just so happens that uh, Patricia Lindemood is the uh, aunt of Tim Conway, Dr. Tim Conway.
4: Oh, yeah, wow. Okay. Okay.
3: But again, don't just take the sales pitch. Right. Uh, do questions. like I did, which would say, show me your research.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: I don't want to go, I don't want to hear, well, I've had hundreds of kids read. Show me the research that backs up what you're saying. That's the that's the gold standard.
0: So what is the key to teaching a dyslexic person to read and spell like other people? You and I, when we were talking earlier today uh, in preparation for our podcast, you mentioned neuroplasticity. Can you explain what that is and, and tell our listeners a little bit about how this program helps people where others might not?
3: Uh, let me ask y'all a question. How many of y'all have heard the old saying, you can't teach an old dog new tricks? Or mm-hmm. you've heard, you know, this is as good as it gets. You know, once once your brain is fully formed, you know, it's hard to teach them new skills.
0: Mm-hmm. I've heard it, but that I don't believe of, it.
3: Of mentality. <sighs> the word uh, neuroplasticity is, um, when we're talking about our brain, is the fact that Our brain can make new connections. Remember when I was talking about the wiring in your brain? Your brain can make new connections all the way up to death. So unless you have
1: thank goodness.
3: Unless you have brain damage, actual brain damage, Mm -hmm. alexia, where it's a it's a death of a portion of the brain, or Mm -hmm. you were born without that portion of the brain, your brain can form new connections to do whatever skill it is that you need to do. That's good news. Yeah, it, it, it changes the narrative. And now you don't have to compensate. Now you don't have to use all of the accommodations that people would, would throw at you, like the reading pen or the, you know, use uh, text-to-speech, um, things like that. Audiobooks. Do I use audiobooks? Absolutely. Do I love audiobooks? Absolutely. Why? Because I, number one, am ADHD, and I like to do a lot of things at the same time. (laughs) And I want to um, still be able to take in that information while doing other things, and I'm still able to process it. Mm -hmm. But now having the skill to be able to sit down and actually read and spell, (laughs) when people tell me that dyslexia is not a disability, um, I tend to say, okay, well, what happens when you're dyslexic and you can't spell? can't read, and you show up at a job interview. Do you have a disability then? Because you have to fill out an application. You go to a doctor's office, and you got to fill out all the forms. Guess what? My disability shows up. It's not inability. I I don't have an inability in uh, all areas of my life in this one particular area. So now I've freed myself because I've been taught how to read and spell.
0: But you're still and the, dyslexic. And the great
3: news is right. still dyslexic Guess is... I'm going to have dyslexic grandkids. Yeah, it's now let okay. me ask
0: you a question about that. So you, you said you're going to have dyslexic grandkids. Is there a genetic component then?
3: Absolutely there is. I've even read research that ties dyslexia to the same gene that causes allergies, eczema, and asthma. This research came out of the UK, out of the Dyslexia Institute. I thought, well, that's pretty amazing because... Guess what? I got all three.
0: That's fascinating because my husband yeah. has the worst allergies of anyone I know. And our middle son, who is slightly dyslexic, also suffers from allergies. They they suffer more than anybody else in the family.
3: I thought, well, you know what? I'm going to do a little non-scientific research and start asking, because I, obviously I talk to tons and tons of dyslexic people. I'm going to start asking everybody that I know about being dyslexic. Well, I found one person out of all the people that I've talked to that didn't have any of those. However, somebody in his family did, immediate family. But if you look at allergies, asthma, and eczema, they're all the same inflammatory audio, mm-hmm. autoimmune right. uh, issue, Yeah, right. but they're, they present in different areas.
0: So fascinating what we're able to discover with all the uh, DNA and gene um, research. So fascinating.
3: uh, I mean, there's, like I said, there's 20% of the the number is about 20%. However, when you start digging into research, like in the prison system, Mm. uh, there was a research paper that was done out of uh, UTMB, which is the medical branch of UT, University of Texas at Galveston. And they did a research paper on all of the uh, prison in- inmates. Well, this information came back that over 80%, I think it was like 89% of Texas inmates are what they call functioning illiterate, meaning they can get by day to day without being able to read or spell. But over 50% had dyslexia.
0: Isn't that sad that the people in our prisons are most likely there because? They had learning disabilities that they didn't get the help they needed. That's really right. sad.
3: Well, I mean, so remember earlier when you said that this was a abuse? Mm-hmm. It absolutely 100% is abuse. Why? Because look at where you end up. Right. And if you, there's another study that they were studying suicide notes and they found out that 85% of the suicide notes that they studied had dyslexia uh, spelling mistakes Wow. So when I, I give talks, I say dyslexia feeds three different places. It feeds poverty, it feeds prison, and it feeds the graveyard. Ugh. If we do stand back and do nothing, or we tend to think that they're gonna grow out of it. They're not we're we're feeding this.
2: Right. Yeah. And
3: and unfortunately it's very serious. and for our parents, much like my my mom and my dad, they didn't know what to do. They didn't know where to turn. So that's why it's so important for people like um all of y'all in empowered dyslexia and the other advocacy uh groups that are out there to make sure that they provide the most relevant information
4: mm-hmm.
3: scientifically proven information for our families to be able to get a hold of and provide help for their kids again, yeah. so they can be the best versions of themselves. And they don't have to go through the psychological issues that you end up going through as somebody who is a constant failure in school.
0: Um, Mm -hmm. Well, and so earlier you had mentioned, and this ties right in with that, you know, having the feelings of uh, insecurity and frustration. And here we're talking about people in the penal system who obviously they struggled and, and they were not able to be successful and they feel like you know, failures? And what what can parents do with their kids who are, um, you know, they're trying to help them get the help they need and they're, the kids are having these feelings? Like, what do you suggest that parents do to help their kids while they are on their journey to being able to have the skills to read and to spell? How can they support their kids during that, that hard journey?
3: And I know that this is going to sound kind of cliche, but the best thing To help a child's uh, self-esteem is success.
0: So my middle son has some mild dyslexia, um, but he was homeschooled. So he didn't have to compare himself to other kids his own age. Um, One of the things we did with him is we pointed out all the places where he was excelling. He was really good in math. He was really good with uh, he could build anything with Legos. He's still that's like still a superpower. But we found the things that didn't have anything to do with reading. And we were like, man, you are knocking it out of the ballpark with that. And he really had, you know, he was frustrated because his younger sister started reading before he did. But I think it really helped him. And he he could, like you said, people compensate and they pay attention. We use a uh, narration in our homeschool as a way to gauge what the kids have understood from things that I've read aloud with them. So everyone had to narrate, and he was a great narrator. Um But yeah, having success does make you feel like, More successes on the way, right?
3: Because, I mean, here's the net net of it. We know what our successes are. We know what we're able to do. We know what we're good at. Now, I wasn't homeschooled, but I, much like you were saying, comparing yourself to your siblings, I did compare myself to my sister um, a lot. She didn't have learning disabilities. She didn't struggle in school. She actually graduated early because she did so well in school. When you are going through remediation and you're starting to see the success in yourself, you're starting to see, yes, I can read. You're starting to see, yes, I can do this. That's why I was saying the success is the biggest and best antidote for building up that self-esteem.
0: And success builds on itself.
3: Yeah. That's, That's right. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I had more trouble getting my kids to do the dishes or mow the yard, pick up the room, than I ha- ever had when they went through the NOW program.
0: <laughs> and, and well, I mean, kids you, don't want yeah, to be sure. no matter what. <laughs> this is and true, you,
1: but if you're doing something and you're getting better, you want to do more. It's motivating.
3: Yeah, when you can, when you see that you're good at it, you want to do more.
0: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah.
3: It drives you.
0: Um. It's the best drug, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. So um, I know that we could talk to you for hours and hours, but I know that your time is precious. And so um, we always like to ask our guests to share something about themselves that is surprising or to tell us about something they like to do for fun. So uh, what would you like to tell us that people might find surprising about you or something that you like to do for fun, some hobby you have?
3: My hobbies, um, or something fun about me, is I have studied martial arts since I was about eight years old. And I've done, I don't know, probably 15 different styles of martial arts. Oh, wow. So everything from judo, jujitsu, boxing, Thai boxing, Filipino knife and stick fighting.
4: Oh, wow. um,
0: (laughs) I guess we won't pick a fight with you, Stephen. (laughs) 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 <laughs> yeah.
4: That's and, a lot and, of
0: work. My middle son yeah. is a black belt in Kung Fu. So I, I used to sit and watch his lessons. He'd come home and tell me, yeah, that move that I did, that that will help you rip out somebody's trachea. I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't want to know those details. <laughs> so I, I know the level of work that that <laughs> takes to get proficient in one martial art, let alone that many. Wow.
3: It's, it's been a, it's been a love and journey. And again, it was something I was very successful at. Uh, I was a very successful athlete all the way through school. Again, it was where the success was, you know, I I put my time and and effort into it. That's why you see uh, and hear people talk about dyslexics are good in, you know, you're good in, in the arts or you're good in sports or this, that, and you know, whatever. Well, it's because Mm -hmm. that's the areas that we're successful in. So we put all of our time and energy into it.
0: Yeah, you don't find the impediments there that you do in uh, reading and and spelling. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. I am really excited for our listeners to hear, hear this episode and check out your podcast and help their kids to achieve success. Thank you so much.
3: Well, thank you so much for having me. And if there's anything that I can do to help any of y'all or your listeners, please uh, feel free to reach out.
0: Here at the end of our podcast, we like to answer a big question we've seen in our homeschooling groups. Melody, what's our question for today? Today's big question
1: is from V, who says, I want to homeschool my daughter, but she only sees me as mom, not teacher. She doesn't want to listen or try. Can I use online classes only so she can still learn? What do we think about that one, ladies?
0: Um, (laughs) Well, I think that um, it's not a homeschooling issue. I I think It's an an issue of um, having your child accept you as um, the responsible adult in their life. Mm -hmm. Some kids push back more than others, but I would imagine that in their daily lives, they're having some struggles. Right. I don't think it's a reason not to homeschool though. I don't it's,
2: either. I also, I don't see that online classes would be an answer here for her because, you know, she has to also get her kid to do those and to do them mm-hmm. the correct way and then do them on time. And so there would still be that struggle there. If she, if she doesn't have a child that wants to respect her authority as her, parent then she's still going to struggle with that issue no matter what type of classes she's trying to do with them
1: well yeah. yes and one of the one of the first things a lot of people have told me they learned when they started homeschooling was that they thought their kids were so compliant and did things and then when they were all at home together they found out they had a lot of training to do (laughs) Mm -hmm. so it's like yeah so it's yeah it's a learning lifestyle so that it is things like you still have to take out the trash and if you make your children make up the bed or clean the bathroom or whatever everybody's got everybody who lives in the house chores if you're fighting over those little things you kind of want to Start working on that because they need to learn how to, to do the things that you're prepared for them because you're helping them, you're helping them acquire skills. But, right, um, they like Holly, I said before, they don't just magically skip to the table and say, Teach me, no,
2: so, no. no. I also think there's a misconception uh, when people start homeschooling that you are separating out the mom and the teacher role. And that's just not how it works in homeschooling. It is a learning lifestyle. You're both at the same time. You are their mom and their teacher at the same time. Mm-hmm. And there aren't well, and you have separate entities in your homeschool. Exactly. Yeah, you right.
0: I mean, how to when use you, silverware. How to use the potty. You mm-hmm. know, um, it's, I think that how people feel... <laughs> yeah, I think that people sometimes feel... That um, when they think about homeschooling and they think, oh, you know, I'm not a teacher. And we have talked about, you know, developing an educational philosophy and developing yourself as a home educator. But that's not the same thing as a teacher in the public school who has to manage, you know, a whole large group of children. Right. Um, You're basically a facilitator. You're going to spread a feast in front of your child and help them to take some bites here and there. You know, and they may not like all that. They may not like math. Um, They might not like to read, but, you know, we all have to do things we don't like to or don't want to do. And, you know, you just you're the parent and you set the tone and you uh, reward them when they meet expectations. You help them to grow in that area of their lives just like you would in any other area. Right. So,
1: And then there are fun ways to do that. Like we had checklists and they would try to see if Mm -hmm. they could get all these things done before lunch. And some years when we were at, you know, focused training time, we had like sticker rewards or little tickets. And then they could go, I don't know, go to the store with dad or pick the cereal. Or we found ways to make that fun to where we got into a habit of getting your work done. Yeah. But um, some years we had to stop and work on it.
2: It's a good point, too, because if you make the learning fun, your child's also going to be more likely to want to do it.
0: Exactly. Um, The other thing I would say is that it's a growing experience for both the parent and the child. So don't shy away from it because you feel like you don't have the skills. There are lots of places to find those skills. There are parenting websites, there are homeschool, um, you know, teacher, like not teacher training, but I'm thinking of Sally Clarkson's materials uh melody help me out with um
1: and i was gonna say cynthia tobias like um you can't make me but i can be persuaded mm-hmm. that's a lot of good um just helps for knowing how to present the idea to your child like right don't say it like that like that and...
0: yeah but the, but you can do it If you want to do it, there are resources out there that will help you, and you certainly can do it, and you won't need um, online classes unless you're doing doing them for something fun. Mm -hmm. Um, But you have the capability and the ability to teach your child. Before we go, we want to leave you with a few reminders.
1: If you want to support us here and help us grow, it'd be great if you'd help new people find our show by leaving us a five-star review and sharing it on social media.
2: Remember that you can get 20% off the cost of your transcript maker subscription with the code HAPPY. That's H-A-P-P-Y in all caps.
0: If you have any questions or comments, you can email us at happyhomeschoolpod at gmail.com and you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at happyhomeschoolpod.
1: If you want to learn more about anything we discussed today, we publish our show notes on Facebook after every new episode.
0: Next episode, the
2: time has come and we'll be discussing getting back to school.
0: Thank you for joining us today. I'm Holly. I'm Melody. And I'm Jennifer. Happy Happy homeschooling! Hi, this is your host, Holly williams Erbach. Thank you for listening to the Happy Homeschooler podcast, a transcript maker production. My co-hosts are Melody Gillum and Jennifer Jones. This podcast was produced by Matthew Bass and edited by Nora Williams. Our graphic design is by Pete Soloway and our music is by the Great Pangolin. You can find more of her work on YouTube and Twitter at Kylie Wins. That's K-A-I-L-E-Y Wins. If you'd like to help our podcast grow, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And as always, tell people about us.